What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs of Locked on Dolphins. Today on the show, it's time we start talking about that P-word, playoffs, as the Dolphins enter their week 14 by at 6-7 and seven and firmly in the hunt. So what do we need to happen? Obviously, aside of the Dolphins taking care of their own business, we need to keep an eye on the other contenders in the AFC. Consider this a primer for what's to come. Buckle in. Another episode, Locked on Dolphins. Let's get it. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Ready to get things rolling. I'm rocking. Give them six, courtesy of Breaking Tea, Bobby Hunt. The legendary touchdown that was for not against the Baltimore Ravens and one of the early wins in this five-game win streak that the Dolphins are currently still riding. I'm wrapping it here on the show. Today is Tuesday. It is December 7th, 2021, and the Dolphins have not lost in over a month. You gotta love it. Today's episode is brought to you by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Dolphins-related listen. Or in this case, watch. We are live or not live. We are on the YouTube channel on Tuesday. Make sure if you are on the YouTube channel, you're interested in the YouTube channel and watching me kind of work through my process on the podcast you hit subscribe, like the video, and you'll get the notifications in it whenever videos go up. If you're listening on the podcast feed, just keep doing what you're doing. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. We got Power to the Pod coming up uh, here this uh, tomorrow. We're going to do Power to the Pod Tuesday night, live on YouTube, for Wednesday's show. So, chance to get some live questions in. I'm going to go ahead and plug it this time and hope to see you there. But uh, today on the show, uh, uh, the Dolphins at 6-7, and seven, what a weird place we sit in. Uh, first of all, side of the fact that we never thought we'd be here at all, right? Uh, but the Dolphins are also 6-7 and seven and 13th in the AFC, as if you thought, thought being 10-6 and six last year and being the 8th seed was bad. 6-7 and seven is like the, the fourth worst record in the AFC conference right now. And that's bad news, but the good news is the seven seed right now is seven and five, which means they're a game and a half in front of Miami. And the even better news than that is a lot of these teams are playing each other in the weeks to come, starting with week 14. The Dolphins are off. But the eight and four Ravens are playing the six and six Browns. The eight and four Chiefs are playing the six and six Raiders. So right there, you're going to have opportunities to potentially have a couple of six and six teams get knocked back right into your lap and into a tie with you if you're the Dolphins. And those two teams obviously being the Raiders, who Miami has lost a head-to-head again, so being ahead of them in the standings would be critical for any playoff scenarios, and the Cleveland Browns. And then you got a couple of other teams. Indianapolis is on a bye. They are seven and six, a game in front, game and a half because they have a head-to-head tiebreaker. Uh, over Miami, they're on a bye. The Patriots are on a bye next week, and they played last night against the Bills. This recording is being done right on the cusp of that game starting, and thank goodness because I, I would hate to have to choose to be happy one way or another 
for uh, uh, a victor between these two teams. But, I mean, some of these other matchups, they're, they're not great. Uh, Denver's at home against Detroit, who just won a football game. Hard to imagine they're going to help you out. Pittsburgh does have to go on the road on a Thursday night and play in Minnesota. Uh, Pittsburgh sneaking out that win against uh, Baltimore to get to 6-5-1. and one. That tie may be tricky if Pittsburgh can continue to string some wins together. The Chargers are at home against the Giants. Favorable matchup for uh, the Chargers. So you're not going to get help on every front. And then, of course, San Francisco versus Cincinnati, a matchup uh, in that week that could help you either way. If you're honest, I'm going to selfishly root for the playoff dynamics and hope San Francisco wins that football game because of uh, the whole spirit of this show is to look at who the other playoff contenders have to play. But if you're looking at San Francisco, they play Cincinnati, then they play Atlanta, and Atlanta's 5-7, and seven, reasonable matchup. San Francisco on the road on a short week against the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night football in Nashville. I like Tennessee's odds in that contest. San Francisco hosting the Texans, meh. And then on the road in Los Angeles against the Rams. So you have to think at the very least, San Francisco at 6-6 six and six right now is looking at at least two more losses, if not three, along the way. They float around, around 500. Miami checks in right around 500. We'll let those chips fall where they may. But want to call out some of these other teams. Uh, right now, the divisional leaders in the AFC. The Patriots slash Bills uh, at either 8-4 and or 9-4, and four, depending on who won the game that you saw the result of that this, game, this podcast was recorded in front of. Tennessee Titans at 8-4, and four, the Baltimore Ravens at 8-4, and four, and the Kansas City Chiefs at 8-4. and four. You got the big log jam. Let's just use Cincinnati as our first example. Home against San Francisco. But then they play the Broncos, who are another one of these teams that are in this log jam directly in front of Miami. They played the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Cleveland Browns. So literally every game that the Cincinnati Bengals play for the rest of the season is in direct interest for the Miami Dolphins. And that is a trend that doesn't always stick that true, but you look at a lot of these teams, the Cleveland Browns, they're on the bye in week 13. They're coming out of the bye. They're playing the Baltimore Ravens. The week after that, the Raiders. Week 17, the Steelers. Week 18, the Browns are playing the Cincinnati Bengals, as already mentioned. And the one that I didn't mention in week 16, they're on the road in Green Bay against the Packers. So that's a team that, that Cleveland at 6-6 six and six right now is the 11th seed in the AFC. Ravens, Raiders, Steelers, and Bengals are still left on the schedule. A lot of this is going to sort itself out. Now, Miami has to do their part, right? You got to come out of the bye. You got to beat the Jets. You got to hope that you can get a win, at least one win out of the two road games that you have to play between New Orleans and Tennessee. And then you would have to take care of business uh, against New England and get a win at home to give yourself any level of fighting chance to make the playoffs. I don't eight wins is not going to get it done. You need at least nine. You need at least three and one over the final four games, if not all ten. The Chargers, they're another great example. They play the Giants this week. That's fine. Then they host Kansas City at home. 
Then they play Denver in week 17, and week 18 is the Raiders. There's a lot of cannibalization between these teams that is going to exist. And that means if Miami can avoid the cannibalization and continue to trend up, 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 they are going to quickly climb out of the 13th seed in the AFC. That's the good news. What is that actually going to look like? We're going to make some predictions here on the show. We're going to work through the schedule a little bit. But not before we talk to you about my friends over at Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost no, Mobile for the power of saving money. You get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get the latest episodes all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile disclaimer. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere and for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. We already mentioned at the top of the show our friends at On Location as well. A really exciting opportunity that's been presented. Uh, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away, believe it or not. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB5656 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Let's make some predictions. I do think the Baltimore Ravens, despite their struggles, will take care of business against the Browns. And I I think you will see the Chiefs and the Ravens get on a little bit of a heater. I think Kansas City uh, will be able to avenge their Week 3 loss to the Chargers. I think they have too much offensive firepower to go down to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then they finish with two games on the road against Cincinnati and Denver. I think Kansas City is able to run the table. I know they don't look great right now, but good teams get hot at the right time. And Kansas City's already hot. They haven't lost since week seven against the Titans, which will put the the Chiefs at 13 and four. That already is going to drop the Broncos and the Raiders to six and seven. I think the same thing can be said for. Baltimore, outside of their NFC opponents, and that's important because they play Green Bay and the LA Rams. Both of those games are at home, but I do think they will drop both of those based on the firepower that both of those teams provide. But against Cincinnati, I'll trust Baltimore. I know Baltimore got embarrassed by Cincinnati in Week 7. That was the game that Jamar Chase put 200 yards up, and everybody lost their collective minds, right? I think Baltimore's which their only other remaining game that we haven't mentioned yet is a week 18 clash with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they're able at home to avenge the loss that they just took, which would put them at 11 and six. So you've got the chiefs 13 and four 
and the Ravens at 11 and six. That is already putting those two other divisions at a great disadvantage the rest of the way because as of right now, neither one of those divisions have any team with a losing record. None right now. But if Kansas City and if Baltimore get hot, that means out of those two other divisions, there is now only one team out of the other six that has a winning record and is the Chargers at seven and six. Bengals, seven and seven. Steelers, six, seven, and one. Browns, six and seven. Raiders and Broncos, six and seven. And remember, these teams play each other too. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. They're coming off the bye week. They play Jacksonville. That's going to be a win. At this point, they should be getting Julio Jones and A.J. Brown uh, back from IR. I think they can take care of business against Pittsburgh, even though that's a game on the road. And then you've got a short week against San Francisco on Thursday night in Nashville. I'm going to put a win down for them there, too. If they happen to get a win against Houston in Week 18, you're talking about a minimum of 12 wins for the Titans. And we're going to leave that Dolphins game out of it because the Dolphins are going to be the last thing we talk about here relative to the rest of this group. Uh, but again, this is important because Steelers taking another loss as a team that is in the mix, which puts them now at 6-8-1. and one. They're kind of capped. They play on Thursday night against Minnesota, even if you want to give them a win there, and I'll give them a win at home on Monday Night Football against the Browns. Pittsburgh, 8-8-1 eight, eight and one through 17 games. That leaves Cleveland with a 6-8 and eight record, and the game's unaccounted for being against the Raiders and the Packers. I'll give them a win against the Raiders at home. I'll give them a loss in Green Bay against the Packers. That Bengals game in week, seven, or week 18, that last contest, I'll give Cleveland a win, which would put them at 8-9. and nine. Now Cincinnati, who we just gave the loss in week 18, they're at 7-8-1. and one. If I give them a win at home against San Francisco, which is not what I'm rooting for, but I think it will happen, and then I give them a loss in Denver against the Broncos, now the Bengals are 8-9, and nine, which means I have the entire AFC North accounted for, and guess what? There's only one team, one with a winning record, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh, 8-8-1. Eight, eight Cleveland, 8-9. and nine, Cincinnati, 8-9. and nine. The other teams we have left over in the NFC West, I think the Chargers win at home against the Giants. I think they take care of business against the Texans in Week 16. Their last two remaining games are divisional games against two other games of teams of interest, the Broncos and the Raiders. I'll give them a one-in-one record there. I'll say the home team wins both matchups, which means the Chargers would win against the Broncos in Week 17 at home and lose to the Raiders in Week 18. That would give them a 10-7 and record. But again, Raiders and Broncos now each have a 7-8 and record, and guess what? They play each other. Give the home team, the Raiders, a win. Then I'll say the Raiders lose in week 17 on the road to the Colts. That gives them a final record of 8-9. and nine. Broncos, I'll give them a win. The only game that they have unaccounted for is against the Detroit Lions in week 14. I'll give them a win there. But based on all the other games we've already picked, that gives them a final record of 8-9. and nine. This is suddenly not looking so chaotic anymore, is it? Because if I also account for the Indianapolis Colts, they are a team that I'm anticipating is going to end up finishing in front of Miami when it is all said and done. They're currently 7-6. and six. 
They have a bye week in week 14. They're coming off the bye to play the New England Patriots. I wish I was recording this at a time in which I could tell you what the Patriots did, but I will pick the Patriots to win that football game coming off the bye. I understand travel's involved. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. Indianapolis has to go there in week 16. I'll give the Cardinals a win there. We've already accounted for that week 17 game against the Raiders. And I'll say they, in week 18, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nine and eight. Shoot, maybe I don't think they're going to end up finishing in front of the Dolphins when it's all said and done. So the seven seed right now is at nine and eight. All the other teams behind him, eight and eight, eight and nine, eight and nine, eight and nine, eight and nine. The Chargers are 10 and seven. So you're going to have to obviously worry about somebody in the AFC East. The Patriots, we're going to find out this entire stretch. And I understand they already played last night. We're going to find out if this team is for real because they're on the bye and then they are on the road in Indianapolis and then they host the Bills. They got the game against the Jaguars week 17 and then on the road in Miami. We'll find out for real, real quick, whether this team is anything to sneeze at or not. But I just very quickly worked through the AFC. And we very easily identified a pathway in which the entire conference cannibalizes itself. And being six and seven is no longer a big deal because if Miami comes out of the bye and they beat the Jets and they go one and one in these two road games, even if they lose to Tennessee, but they beat New Orleans and then they come out and they win against New England. They're nine and eight, or they're eight, nine and eight which would put them as the eight seed in the AFC as I currently situated things, which would mean then we would be hoping that the Colts beat the Patriots in week 15 so that Tennessee or that, so that Indianapolis could be 10 and seven Miami would be nine and eight, but they would get in because the Patriots would also be nine and eight. Miami would have won both games, right? There's your path to nine and eight, making the playoffs. This is fun. Did anybody imagine we would be talking about this? This on December, the first week in December. Absolutely not. In life, we're all bound for different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, passion, discovery, togetherness, immersion, rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Not dissimilar to talking playoff scenarios in the first week in December on Locked on Dolphins. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar creating my own taco flight as long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand and I'm happy as I can be. With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you are looking for. What are you bound for? Beachbound.com. I. It's going to be a fun... It's going to be fun, and I, I, I'm very thankful that the Dolphins are not playing this upcoming week so that I can kind of collectively catch my breath and see what dominoes do or don't fall so that we can continue to mentally prepare for what is going to continue to transpire for the Miami Dolphins, assuming they come out and they take care of their own business. But this season has proven to us as fans of this team that there is more at stake. Uh, There are added improvements that need to be had. We all knew this. 
But our friends over at Pro Football Focus have piqued my interest because they put together a list of the top 75 players expected to enter free agency. And I figured, what better way to close this podcast today than to work my way through this list and identify who I think are players that would really move the needle for the Dolphins. And this includes some elite players like wide receiver Devontae Adams, who's at number one on the list, and wide receiver Chris Godwin, who's at number three on the list. Do I think Miami's going to drop 20 mil on a receiver? No, probably not. But I'll never say never because it's hard to say what direction this team is going to decide they feel is the most appropriate to go. But I do think you need veterans, and I think they need to be impact players. Teron Armstead, the offensive tackle with the Saints, is an obvious name to circle. He plays left tackle for the Saints. He's phenomenal as an athlete. He's phenomenal in pass pro. But he is somebody who deals with an injury history. I can't tell you or guarantee you that he won't avoid injuries at the next stop in his career, assuming the Saints let him walk. But the projection for him is three years just short of $58 million at an average of 19 and a quarter per season. I would strongly consider. Because you do have these young guys, and you do have a lot of depth, that if you need to bridge the gap, you can do that. You can bring somebody in for a hot sec if he misses a couple of games. But the payoff here, the potential payoff here, would be massive for Miami. Next on the list that I think is of interest To the Dolphins, I'm going to avoid a couple 30-plus-year-old edge rushers in Chandler Jones and Von Miller, although we do need to know what's going to happen with Elandon Elandon Roberts, uh, with Emmanuel Agba. Orlando Brown Jr. uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs wants to play left tackle. Perhaps he sees the value if he does hit free agency, and I would be surprised if he hits free agency given the fact that uh, the Chiefs paid an arm and a leg for him, but he has not been as impactful. Um, I think he's somebody that would make sense in Miami, and you could appease him and say, well, you can be a blindside protector for a left-handed quarterback in Miami. His projections: five years, $105 million. I can tell you right now, I'm more comfortable with Teron Armstead's dollars than I am with Orlando Browns. And Armstead's a better player by a lot. He just deals with injury issues, that's all. Brandon Scherf, you've heard this song and dance. I guess the challenge here is you got big Bob Hunt at right guard, and he's been very good this season. And uh, Scherf is a little long in the tooth at this point. There have been some durability issues. He's projected for three years, $50 million. You're talking $16.5 million plus per season as a projection for him. He's played on the franchise tag each of the last two years. And he plays the same position as Robert Hunt. So now you're reintroducing musical chairs. And there's not a lot of guys on the offensive line that would prevent me from doing anything and bringing in a vet. But Robert Hunt would be the one that would give me uh, some hesitation. The next player on this list that of interest to me is at number 16, and it's Michael Gallup, the wide receiver from the Dallas Cowboys. 
the projection here. Four years, fifty-five million at thirteen and a quarter, three-quarter million per season. That, for a wide receiver, knowing what we're paying for Devontae Parker and knowing what we paid for Will Fuller, I think can be a very, very, very good addition to this offense with the route running that he has, his ability to get open. Uh, he is pretty underrated as a receiver because he's been the number three option there. Um, and if you extend it beyond C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and you include the running backs, like he's number four in the pecking order. This is a player that's a lot better than being somebody's fourth option. That would be a home run value for me if you could add him. Ryan Jensen coming in at number 20. Um, three years, $30 million projection. That is a home run if that was what it would cost to play center. We've talked about Michael Dieter and the importance of getting an evaluation on him, but Ryan Jensen is a Super Bowl winning center. Uh, he has been very effective. He gets good push. He gets good movement at the line of scrimmage. He maintains his blocks well. That's not something you could say a lot of, about a lot of Dolphins offensive linemen. I think his experience in the in the hardest, the keystone player on the on the line would be valuable. Obviously, I'm not listing all these names suggesting Miami goes out and gets all of them, but these are important players to identify as potential options when it's all said and done. Mike Kosecki made this list at 23. His projection was 13 and three-quarter million per season. Slap Batman with the franchise tag. If you have to, do not let him walk, please. I got two more names that I want to shout out on this list. Emmanuel Ogba also made the list at 29. His projection is 15.5 per season. Sign it. Give him 16. No questions asked. Dwayne Brown. Left tackle, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he's 36 years. He's going to be 36 years old. Not a long-term answer. But if you want to get a little more economic, two years, 20 million is the projected estimate there. Veteran player would do wonders if you keep Austin Jackson on the roster. Give him the Michael Dieter treatment. Let him sit for a little bit if you have to. If you want to move Liam Eikenberg inside to guard, which I think is, is based on the length issues that he's had, might be destined to be his best solution. But that's an economic value that I can absolutely positively get behind. And then Connor Williams. Uh, he was a top 50 pick for Dallas in, in 2018. Uh, he comes in at 37 on this list. He's had some injuries, but he's a very sturdy player. Um, and he's young. And I, I think there's an upside there that can be associated with that. Uh, projection, three years, 20 million, less than 7 million per season. Have to feel good about a plus starter on the Dallas offensive line. For that kind of price, given positional value, it's kind of watered him down a little bit. There's some options. And I get these questions a lot. You know, Kyle, who would you target? Well, I haven't really had the time to dig into it that much. So when I saw the list come out, I'm like, finally, somebody help me out so I can answer these questions that I always get on Power to the Pot. Who would you target for the Dolphins offensive line? So it depends on combination of spending. And I've been, kind of been championing for don't draft more guys on the line. You got young talent. Go get established players there and supplement the rest of your roster with young talent. 
young, dynamic talent. This is a good class for offensive linemen. But you got young talent that's physically gifted. You got guys that you know what your finished product's going to be. I know your finished product here on Locked On Dolphins is you're going to get power to the pod tomorrow. So plan accordingly. We're going live on the YouTube channel sometime around dinner time on Tuesday. If you want to ask some live questions, hop in, hit subscribe on the channel, like the video. And if you like this podcast and you enjoy listening, make sure you hit subscribe there as well. Kyle Krabs, thanks for listening or watching. As always, keep it locked in. Right here on Locked On Dolphins, make it a great one. Enjoy your victory Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow for Victory Wednesday.